when you look at a tree, is the tree just the leaves and the flowers or the fruit? Or is the tree the root structure and the photosynthesis and the, you know, the fact that it is male or female? I mean, come on. There's so many different details going on. A brand is how you show up, how people feel around your work, how it sounds, how it looks, how it operates. It is a hyper curated extension of you based on what is available. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the fabulous Jenny Ambrose. Jenny Ambrose is the founder and CEO of an award-winning design science and strategy studio, Puree Fantastico. Part scientist, part artist, all powerhouse, Jenny knows how to sync with her client's deepest voice and concerns and communicate the solutions as if they'd always been present, because they are. From thought leadership to illustration, websites, packaging brands, and commercials, she's taken businesses from $5 million to $500 million, increased enrollment from 33 to 77% and boosted small businesses client base exponentially. Whatever it is, it can be trusted that Jenny will over deliver with ease and enthusiasm. Okay, so after arguably the most ridiculous, joyful, insane pre-chat I have ever had, it is my utter delight to get to ask you, my new best friend and soul sister in loudness, Jenny Ambrose. What the heck do small business owners need to focus on this week? Themselves and their joy. Oh, joy, huh? Why? Because it fills you up with an energy that is relentless and sustainable and keeps you open for opportunities that you would never think could come or could think about. Ooh, I need to know more about that. How does joy open us up to opportunity? Well, think about it, right? So when you are feeling down and you're feeling maybe insecure or vulnerable or negative, you don't want to go out. Yeah. You don't want to, you know, set the party on fire. You want to curl up in your bed. You want to watch something you've seen a thousand times before. Maybe you want to choose something comforting, but potentially unhealthy. But when you are in a joyful space or a happy space, you want to talk to strangers. You want to compliment others. You smile. You are therefore instantly more inviting and other people want to talk to you. Ooh, inviting is such a key piece, right? Because we're inviting in opportunity. We're inviting in new relationships. And you're totally spot on. I mean, I've talked on the show a lot about running a business with depression and obsessive compulsive disorder and all of these things. And and I know just on my day to day, whether I'm having like a full proper OCD flare or just kind of a cranky day, putting myself out there on a tough day and putting myself out there on a joyful day are completely different worlds. Yeah. I second guess them less. I feel more joy about them. I focus on the metrics less, especially on social. Like I'm not as like, oh my God, only one person commented on this. I must have put myself out there and looked stupid. <laughs> on a joyful day, I'm like, oh, I got a comment. Yep. Hmm. Things balance out. I honestly feel like when you are in a joyful space, the calibration is more correct. So mm. you can negate um, any hubbubbery or country. You can say, mm, I appreciate you wanting to work with me, but right now it's not a good fit. And the way that you say that will come across nicer because you are in a joyful space as you deliver that. Like it just really sets the tone in a way that is genuine. Yeah. And I think that's also totally true in in contentious situations. Not that you want to go in and and seem like you're not taking it seriously, but 
that's so totally right in that if someone is trying to get something from me or someone's trying to pull one over on me or something like that, which does happen from time to time, then if I show up in a low energy, low vibe place, then I'm going to pour fuel on that fire. And either I'm going to show up in a way that depletes me and makes it worse, or I'm going to show up in a reactionary way that makes it, you know, bigger. But also I learned one of the best things I ever learned from my dear friend, Michelle Wuchar. Hi, Michelle, uh, is that in a confrontational situation, it's basically like playing tug of war. And if you drop the rope, they have nothing to box against, right? Like, and so if I just go into that situation from a period of as much joy as I can muster, at least positive neutrality, then they can't really mess with me because I'm not there to be messed with. And if you, for me, if I use that joy as like um, a strengthening or a reinforcing, then it's on them. It's a them issue because I'm sensitive. I am as strong as I am, as bold as I am. I am empathic and sensitive. So if a friend comes to me or they try to pick a fight or a client hires someone else and that someone else says, hey, send me your design files, I can say, no, thank you, and giggle and quickly pick myself up and do something else that's going to be much more worth my time. I love that. I absolutely love that. One of the main questions I get asked in the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy is, what do you do when a lead ghosts you? And that is such a painful, fraught situation for a lot of people that a lot of people feel like when they're getting ghosted, they have to be really repentant and also like super vocal about what they do. And I'm like, listen, the first time you're responding to getting ghosted, I want you to respond in full delight. Like, hey, how you been? Haven't heard from you. Here's some stuff I want you to know. Here's some shiny bells and whistles. And here's my accessibility. Let me know what's going on. Can't wait to hear from you as something flows by. Right? Like, because I, it seems like a lot of people immediately go to doom and gloom where they're like, I am guessing by your lack of a response that you are no longer in- interested. If this is untrue, then please CC the following well, you're email. You're setting that expectation. If you're sending that message, then you are providing that option. So yeah. if you have the assumption of like, shit's cool, everything's fine, you just got busy, I, whatever, hey, what's up? The thing that is so important in business, in relationships, in life, it does not matter the context, Things are not about you. No, it's oh, about you. hallelujah. It's you. not about you. Nope. And you getting ghosted, not about you. Not about how you worded that email. Not about if you posted that day. Not about whether or not you emailed your lit. Nope, nope, no. nope, nope, no. And the sooner you can release yourself of that expectation, the happier you will be in this wild and wonky world of running a business. Oh my gosh, that's so entirely true. It's so true. I mean, hello, here's one of the biggest secrets I could ever tell y'all. The secret to non-sleazy sales is remembering it's not about you. The secret to selling like a good person is remembering that there's someone else on the other side of the transaction. And if you do that, then if they say no, they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to what they need and saying that you don't have it. Right. And if it's not about you, then you may as well show up in joy. Or if, you know, like what you said, you may not have it. They also may not have it. Mm -hmm. Like there are. And even when you get the yes, it's not about you. It's it's never about you. What's about you is you. Yeah. You, You. So the only thing you can control is you. So today I started my day off with a luxurious breakfast and an hour and 15 minutes of RuPaul's Drag Race. Good for you. I, that was my joy. I sat around my cats. I enjoyed my orange juice and my tea and my water and my egg sandwich and my chocolate croissant. And, and your mama Rue. My men in dresses. Yep. Step that pussy up. Yep. So. Does that influence how I showed up today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I was infused with things that created a space of happiness and joy just for me. I just love for me. that. Because you are your asset. 
you are your number one. And you're like me. You're you have a demanding people centered creative job. So you have to be able to be on as needed and creative on demand. Those things are freaking taxing. And not everyone can do them. We do them every day. So we kind of silo ourselves and go, oh, well, it's not that hard to run a group call. I run a group call every day. That doesn't mean it's easy, boo-boo. That doesn't mean it's easy. So when you look at what you need to feed you before that group call, if it's a chocolate croissant and some Mama Roo, you do it. Because it's not harming anybody. No. And one of the things that destroys my sensitive heart is that we forget that without us, there would be no business. Mm-hmm. Without me, Puree Fantastico does not happen. It doesn't happen. So then, if I haven't made my sales or I'm hemorrhaging Instagram followers, guess what comes first? My Law & Order SVU marathons. Because Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> I need to be reminded that I'm a person, I'm a human, I am myself before I am ever a service or an entrepreneur or a partner or a mom or whatever. Those things come after the self. I got lovingly called out the other day in the best freaking way. And I wasn't even thinking about it because if I'm doing boring admin shit in my business, it's almost a guarantee that I'm watching either Dateline or Snapped. Like almost a guarantee. And I was sending a Voxer to a client of mine the other day. My clients all know me. They know this. But I was sending a Voxer to my client. And I guess in the background, they're like, ding, ding, the ding, the ding, ding, ding on Snapped went off. And my client was like, oh, my God, you're brilliant. Best answer ever. Are you watching Snapped? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I was just sitting there, like, checking my email, like, trying to get down to the fantasy that is inbox zero. So, of course, I'm watching Snapped. But just before you Voxer your clients, if you don't have the relationship with them that I have with mine, maybe mute your TV. Well, my developer has gotten so used to the fact that I just will start a voice message with Simpsons playing that he's like, yep. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. And it's like, <laughs> whatever we're talking about, it becomes Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. And that's just how I prefer to carry on. It, it does create a sensation of community, of company culture, even though yes. it is a virtual relationship. Having those moments of, oh shit, you can hear my cat, or oh shit, I forgot to hit pause because what I needed to tell you was so much more important. That does create that experience. I love, love that you brought up company culture because I think for a lot of us who are one-person businesses or one and a half, right, one plus a VA or this or that, we think that we're just being quirky, maybe a little lazy, maybe a little weird, maybe a little loud, but what we have really is company culture. And and I think that people don't assume that because we also forget that we are the company to your last point. Like we forget that without Jenny, there is no Puree Fantastico. Without Annie, there is no Too Legitimate to Quit. There is no Non-Sleazy Sales Academy. These things are a function of my brain. If they're not there, then they're not there, right? So the I I think it's just so key that we sort of stop and remember that as companies, we get to make choices and sometimes our choices can just be what we would naturally do. Like, I don't think I have an ounce of professionalism left in me for corporate. I think if I had to write a corporate email now, it would be the most stilted mess in the world because I swung way too far wide into like Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas singing Simpsons on Boxer to people. Like, I've gone too far into that, which is really funny because every now and then I'll apply for like a grant or something and I'll be like, dear sir, madam, or non-binary person, comma. <laughs> Ready for this? I'm going to blow your mind. So I don't do corporate emails. I do Jenny vibe emails because I am of the belief that the corporate model is stifling and for some reason completely removes the humanity out of the fact that we are working with humans. Um, oh God. So I show up as my truth. And let me tell you how well-received I am. That is not a sarcastic thing. I am well-received. 
Oh my God, I love the way your emails make me feel. If everyone could write emails this way, this would be so great. Oh my God, you're so great. I show up as my truth regard. Okay, so then the second thing I'm going to interrupt myself to bring back is <laughs> <laughs> company culture is internal branding. It's the same thing, people. It's the same thing. We brand outwardly, but we forget we can also brand inwardly. Oh my God, you genius. I was hired by Charles Schwab and 3M to help attract better fitting employees to create the essence of company culture. And with Puree Fantastico, my company culture is empathy, curiosity. Um, creativity. So when I had um, a business partner and a junior designer, it was very important for me to nurture in them the freedom to pitch solutions, even though they may not have the experience or the qualifications, if they felt capable and inspired, then yes, let's hear it out. What yes. is your solution? What is your pitch? Because to say, oh no, this role has to be designed by you. No, no. Especially when I'm a polymath writing, strategizing, illustrating a dog, illustrating a children's book, building software. You think I'm going to listen to rules and write? No. The whole you don't have time. You don't have time in or room in your brain to listen to constructs. No, the whole world is my, my lane. And if that bothers you, then we are not going to be working together. Um, so with company culture, it was really important to me that people feel nurtured there. And so I pay my designers, my assistant, an hour for them to do what they want to do. Do what you want to do. Be creative. Go read a book. Go take a walk. Go nurture that piece of yourself because that is just as valuable as whatever task I have you on. Like that's not the most important thing in the world. It's yeah. going to get done. But you as a human, you as an employee, that is that is more valuable to me. Well, creativity is a limited resource that needs to be recharged, right? So by you paying your designers to go to the park and sit there for a while, that's you refilling that bank of creativity and willpower and whatever else that they need to prosper in the future, right? It's an investment now in what they're going to create tomorrow. And hopefully teaching them um, that just because I am in this boss context, that they have to sell themselves or cut that piece out to be a good em employee for me. When I was an adjunct professor at the art school I graduated from, my class turned into self-care, self-regulation, um, self-awareness. And I was there to teach them typography, okay? And I did. <laughs> I did teach them uh, typography, but it would crush me that these 22-year-old, okay, they are technically adults, but I am older, so to me they were my little babies. But they would say, I haven't eaten. Is it okay? And I'm like, get the fuck out of here and go eat something, or can I use right. the bathroom? And I'm like... You are 22. You know damn well that your body needs to, please do not ask me permission. Like, right. Like, you are not people. a self-advocate, homie. Like, you've got this. Oh, oh, I love that. They're like, should this be a serif font? You're like, I don't care. Go eat something. <laughs> I'm please. Jewish. I'm Italian. Please, you're like crushing me. Like, yeah, the Italian in me is like, do I need to bring food for you? Am I ethically allowed to do so by well, the laws yes, of the yes, college? Yes, and the school is a small school. So when I went there, my teachers very much dropped me food. I was struggling. I was poor. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so now that I'm a successful business owner, it was like, here, little babies, let me feed you. Let me bring you birthday cupcakes. Like, oh I could God. not hold it back. <laughs> I roll in with a lasagna. <laughs> and like a salad with tongs. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Be like, eat, my little babies, eat. Uh, I, I just, I can't help it. I just can't help it. It's the Italian. I you just can't. And you've got Jewish and Italian, so you've got double gene on this. Yeah, no, I've I only got the food right in your mouth. Like, I was going to say, you're just going to force feed everybody. <laughs> I'm Italian Irish, so I'll just give you the food and then watch you eat it. 
And then guilt you. And then guilt you about <laughs> whether or not you were adequately appreciative of the food that I labored over. Jewish, Italian, and I'm like the Jersey trifecta. The only thing that's missing is Puerto Rican. Oh, I love it. I just love it. But I think, you know, one of the things that I, I am so grateful, again, that we're talking about culture and this idea of internal branding, which is so brilliant, because as a designer, you know damn well that the idea of what a brand is, is really misunderstood, where if you're just like, hey, what's your brand? They'll send me their logo. And I'm or or they're like, yeah, yeah, maybe a hex code. Like, maybe they'll send me a hex code, right? Which is, that's part of it. That's part of it. But it's a very small part of a much bigger thing. The language is the. (laughs) No. No. Okay? Like, the words I'm speaking to you are constructed from 26 characters, and they form words, and I use those words to create meaning. And that is branding. I have a background in anthropology as well as design. So it makes it uh, kind of oppressively obvious to me. Um, and so my business is, I will show you and I will do my best to show you in a kind way, but it is very challenging when, when you look at a tree, is the tree just the leaves and the flowers or the fruit, or is the tree, the root structure and the photosynthesis and the, you know, the fact that it is male or female, I mean, come on, there's so many different details going on. A brand is how you show up how people feel around your work, how it sounds, how it looks, how it operates. It is a hyper-curated extension of you based on what is available. Oh, that's gorgeous. That might be the most beautiful definition of branding I've ever heard in my life. If it's not available, then it's not authentic. And that's the argument about authenticity. If I have to say... I'm a beach bod and I like surfing. Like, it's not real, okay? Like, it's not, oh, my God. And I love to go to the girl and I like cilantro and avocado. And, like, that's not, I love avocado, but I don't like cilantro. It's not correct. I'm sorry. This conversation is now over. <laughs> I have that problem with the soap, okay? Like, it takes Oh, you everything. poor baby. That's not even your fault. That's not your fault. That is a curse put upon you. By some bad juju from some other life. I have read, I have read other people saying that they had this thing and then years later their taste buds changed. So there is hope that I can appreciate what everyone loves about cilantro. Um, But then you would have to keep eating it to find out if it changes. No, see, I lived in Los Angeles and I know that that is not true. Uh Uh-oh. Because they're like, you know what we, cilantro is to Los Angeles what oregano is to New York. Okay, that's fair. I think that's like what what celery salt is to Chicago. We're like, let's just put it on everything. (laughs) Come on. That'd be a great thing. Oh my God, we're so off track. I love it. But like spices of the (laughs) spices of the USA. It's true. It's sort of like the the things that you don't realize. Okay, so one of the things that I really love is fish don't know they're wet. Mm -hmm. So the spices or the colloquialisms or the, the way that you give instructions or um, I posted the other day, different cultures, versions of the saying that doesn't float my boat. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about it was the different translations really gave a beautiful insight into the culture that they came from. So mm-hmm. in China, it was, that's not my preferred vegetable. That's amazing. Uh, Croatia was that's not my cup of coffee. Um, obviously, England was that's not a cup of my cup of tea. But my favorite was Spain's. That's not the saint of my devotion. That's not the saint of my devotion is the most Catholic sentence I've ever heard. And ever life. heard, and, and that like, is from an Italian Irish person. Italian that's not the saint. Of my clothes. Like it was perfect. Oh my God. That's not the saint of my devotion. Oh, I, I know. Love that. How freaking gorgeous. <laughs> I'm a nerd and I love to learn. So anytime yeah. that I can learn about it, I'm like, oh, soak it up. Let's have that. But speaking of, since we're talking about branding and now we're talking about like with your beautiful anthropology brain, how do you feel about? regionalisms, colloquialisms, and other goofy-isms in branding? 
I love them. I Me love too. them. So you said that you don't have a professional bone in your body. And I really, the past couple of years, I've been developing a soapbox because I need another one where professionalism is truly a controlling patriarchal trap. If you show up and you are honest and you offer something you can honestly provide and someone else pays you for it and you deliver it and you're both happy with this, then guess what? You are a professional. It does not have to be your hair a certain way, your pose a certain way, headshot a certain way. None of that matters. None of that matters. And all of that are traps to make you feel like you can't be you in a space that is yours to create. Uh, so I, I reject that hard. Arguably the highest distinction that I afford here on Too Legitimate to Quit is I say that a soundbite belongs on a tote bag. And Jenny Ambrose. Wait, what's the full name your dad calls you? Jennifer what? Jennifer Nicole. <laughs> Jennifer Nicole. All right, hold on. I got to do this in my best jersey. Jennifer Nicole Ambrose. I am so excited to bestow upon you the honor of fake tote bag with the quote, professionalism is a patriarchal trap. Oh my God. Can we talk about how liberated I feel by that? Like I can chameleon out with the best of them. But I mean, if we saw my emails and I'm like, you people love my freaking emails. They delight in my emails because like, I, for example, the editor of this very podcast, Andrew Sims, who I adore, will send me something and he'll send it to me like he's talking to me. And I'll write back like in all caps, you beautiful God of podcasting. Thank you for delivering this. You are the best. P.S. Did you watch Drag Race this week? Like that is my emails. Yep. Right. And like how it should be. To who it may concern, the best. No, all of that makes you feel less. Um, and it it impedes. It just gets in the way. And I don't, personally, I don't understand. I got too much I want to do that I want to understand. So when something comes to me that's like, why, this is dumb. This Ugh. is dumb, but I don't like it. And then I just want to push it off the table because I have been raised by the cat. And then, mm -hmm. done. but for me, it's like, we are human beings. In a society of other human beings, why must we make other human beings feel small or stupid or create language that alienates them? And I, that's, that's why I started Period Fantastico. That's I love why. it. I love it. It's permissive. You know what I mean? It gives you permission to show to up as you are. Yes. Describe your business in three words or two words. And I say, okay, permission and possibilities. Yep. Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I have just in the past six months, I've done data narration for top level executives at Disney. Ugh, this situation where they needed to be told that the people who work at Disney need to be treated empathetically. And so the sentence I included in the presentation was the cobbler's children having no shoes has mm -hmm. no place in the happiest place on earth. Movies have Disney put out about empathy and compassion. You need to reflect that to the people that are making you your money. Yep. So then there was how I handled uh, Subway's content and social media for four months. I did strategy analysis for Pandora Jewelers. Uh, I branded a military startup product. Like it does not matter. You know what matters? I'm helping you communicate. Yep. I'm helping you express yourself. And I'm helping you do it in a way that makes you feel like you belong. Yes. Well, because I get asked all the time, like, how do I make sure my brand is unique as like unique enough? Make it of you. Yep. Sound yes. like you. Write your emails like you. That's part of the brand too. And this is and this is the part that's scary because you aren't going to see anyone else doing it this way, which is mm -hmm. the point, first yep. of all. Because yeah. if they were, you would be like, we don't have a paradox uh, approving universe. You would be someone else doing something else in a different industry. These are facts. So if yeah. you don't see anyone doing it like you, this is a sign that you are doing it correctly. At least uh -huh. enough to experiment. Mm -hmm. 
And the answer is what makes you feel good? Because you know what people have told me? Why can't you be happy making pretty things? Because I'm fucking smart. Well, and also a lot of people make pretty things. Yeah, okay. But I make beautiful, beautiful things. You make beautiful, beautiful things, but it's not like there's this urgency of like other people need to, like we need a C-level pretty thing. Okay, well, somebody else could do that because that's not my bad. I enjoy making people think. I enjoy making people feel, yes, the work I do is going to be visually stunning because I have this level of everything has to be perfect. Um, But what perfect looks like is different. So one of the main achievements was I wanted to make something fucking ugly. Okay. That was the point. The point was I'm going to make something so ugly. And what was the color palette? The color palette was pea soup green. I was going to say that's got to be involved. And I love pea soup, but that is not a good color. I mean, come on. Like every color belongs in my pack. So pea soup green, probably like a green, like, like a olive green, hunter green and baloney pink. Oh, nice. Right? So and that's going to look like vomit and rot at the same time. I'm into this. Just disgusting. And like olive loaf, okay? Like olive mm-hmm. loaf from the deli. And <laughs> Your jersey showing, babe. Hey, let it all air out. <laughs> but I will tell you that this piece won an award. Even though I'm like, I want to make this the ugliest thing I've ever made in my life. And my old boss was like, that is so ugly. I'm like, great. I achieved it. I won an industry award. For the ugliest thing you could make. That's amazing. And I decided I was fucking flawless. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I got to do that now in my version. Like, I got to write the worst sales page I could possibly write. And watch it be the most successful. Watch. Right? And then when I get all the money in the world and I fly to New York to come hang out with you, we can celebrate that somehow we triumphed with really bad stuff. I honestly, because I think there's a confidence. There's an inherent confidence um, when you show up knowledgeable through something that's ridiculous, through something that is unexpected, right? So I call my services the muchness buffet. Mm-hmm. Because Ooh. I, yeah, Ooh. such a good. I gotta write it down. Such a good phrase. I mean, I name things. I name clothes. I. That's how I realized I could do it as a service because I did it for myself for years. But I grow a new service every two years, so it's like pfft, the muchness buffet. It's not services. It's not offerings. It's come get your fucking mac and cheese. Get a different plate. Pile that up with chocolate. Like figure it out. Come back. Keep coming back. And if people don't get it, I don't want to work with them. (laughs) Well, no. I mean, especially if you're offering them a whole buffet. Like, that's a ladder of services. Well, people, it's interesting because people will say, oh, I don't want, you know, this. I will share something that hurt my feelings. They devalued what I did because they called me a Jill of all trades. Now. I am someone who loves Lin-Manuel Miranda and I am someone who loves the musical splendor that is Hamilton. And if Hamilton gets to be called a polymath, you better fucking believe that I get to be a polymath because it's true. It's true. And it was owning that truth and not caring that other people are successful hyperniching. Other people are successful designing for female coaches that are moms that are 45 that live in like Missoula, whatever. I can't niche like that. Right. I am not happy niching like that. And so what I have found um, is psychographics. I am the high priestess in the church of psychographics. Sing at me about psychographics. Go. Energy and feelings. And if someone shows up and they are solution oriented, they are passionate about what they want to do, we are going to work beautifully together because what I'm passionate about is helping them achieve what they're passionate about. And it doesn't matter if it's naming a therapist business or naming an act for Reuters or developing a strategy for it. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And if someone said, so... I designed a website working with the German government. Okay. Okay. And yes, I woke up at 1am for Berlin meetings. That Mm -hmm. kind of sucked, but I'm going to do it. 
because what they needed to do was create a site that advertised a school that taught really talented musicians in Middle Eastern countries that cultures are okay. And by cultures, I mean Jews. Yep. And I could not use anything touching the blue spectrum of color to, to denote Israel. We could not talk about culture. We could not talk about excessive. We could not talk about these things. We could only provide the whiff out the window, the pie smell that lures bugs money. And it was the first time that it was proven to me that my approach works, that my approach is needed. And uh, that was a couple of years ago. So the journey from graduating art school, graduating with a background in anthropology, kind of like an AA degree in anthropology, um, it took a long time of like, I know this calling is here. I know what I'm here to do. I know it makes sense. I know it works. It is scientifically proven. I know it. And it, it took that long. And so I know it now. And you can't take that from me. I love, so you name drop Lynn and we're getting there. Um, and also this idea of energy and feeling and, and owning your shit and following your instinct. Perfect transition. Perfect transition. You like how I did that? Almost I really like do. It. <laughs> it's almost like we planned it to today's pop culture topic, which is not Encanto. It is not Hamilton. Oh, it is not in the Heights. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, like you're a New Yorker. Like my, one of my favorite, one of my very favorite experiences of my life was I went to go see my dear friends, Aiton and Nora. Hi, Aiton. Hi, Nora. I love you so much. When they were living in Washington Heights and I went out on their fire escape and listened in the Heights during a sunset in the Heights. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest New York experience of my life. But today you and I are going to talk about what the heck permission or passion or feelings or energy or a muchness buffet or the patriarchal trap of professionalism has to do with Moana. 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 Yeah, no, it is it is so apparent to me that I, I was talking to my developer earlier about it. I'm like, I actually can't remove this metaphor uh from the the movie anymore. Like there are certain metaphors that I'm like, they were not going for this. I can just get there with my awesome conceptual abstraction brain. You're like, oh. I it wasn't there, but I was there with it. Okay, Moana is emphatically about following your dreams, going past your comfort zone. I mean, come on, there's more fish beyond the reef as she's telling it to herself as she goes there and her father, who like clearly represents the status quo from a place of experience and fear, who's like, no, you stay here and you do this thing. And she says, but I have this calling in me and it's in me and I have to go see it. Mm -hmm. Please. And the horizon chasing aspect of like, I mean, the the whole the anthem is how far I'll go. Like, how could that not be specifically about pushing that boundary? Because I feel like when we first start on our path, our ocean, our bay is very small. But then we get out yourself. there and we push and we push. Speak for and we yourself. Push, right? But I did not have small. I you was- didn't have small ocean at the beginning. That's amazing. I am ten. I was born ten minutes outside of New York City. That's true. You I have no small. Foot one and eight foot nine, filled with ambition. Like, that's true. It, no small. I had to be bred into small. I had to be. I think that's the Midwestern in me. I think the Midwestern in me bred small. You had to learn small. Yeah, but but even be... so, then we all have to unlearn small to be like, wait, hold on. Who put this boundary here? Who put this ceiling here? Do I honor this or am I going to smash it? Yeah, no, there was never a do I honor this. Because even, so the job I walked out of to start Pure Fantastico, I was making 106000 six months out of college. Amazing. I'm a power negotiator. I do not do junior salary. I do not do, when I submitted my portfolio to graduate, I had four times, five times the amount of projects because I did not want the same projects as my classmates. Mm-hmm. So I took spring break. I mean, I am that bitch. And would I choose friends going back? Maybe. But I am always about nurturing my ambition. What do I want to create? How do I want to reach them? I am not being seen as myself. 
that's a fucking problem. What can I do differently? Like the intensity in me fuels me. So Ooh, I love that. I mean, it, it is very true. Um, and I try my best to be respectful with people who do not have the ambition. It's just I have a hard time uh, vibing with them because I want more. Right. I want more. I want to be more like I have a 20 year plan. And I admit that's the, as far as I can see right now. Right now? Yeah. Right now. I'm only this and I can see 20 years ahead. So. Was ambition ever, because I totally agree. Moana is very much about dream chasing and honoring yourself and challenging yourself and self-regulating yourself and all of the things about self, 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 self. But in response to, in response to dishonoring, potentially upsetting those around you that love you. Right. So as such, was ambition ever a stigmatized thing for you or were you always excited about ambition? Because I know that like I never really had the issue of being like, I'm ambitious. I think that's a good thing to be. But I know a lot of my clients, especially a lot of women, see ambition as hardness or sharkishness and so they don't necessarily own their ambition was it ever stigmatized for you or were you just like hey this is me i i was not treated with seriousness in my goals um especially around men well that's very moana that's very moana there's a reason why I was openly sobbing the first time I saw it. Okay. I mean, like, even Maui, especially Maui, has to learn how to not underestimate Moana. I had, even in art school, um, where I, I put myself there, my parents did not uh, pay for that. I paid for that. Um, isn't that a little much? Shouldn't you be doing less? And it's like, shouldn't you be pushing me beyond what I think I can normally do? Is how I am. Yeah. That's who I am. Like, so, aren't you supposed to be putting wind in my sails? Because it doesn't seem like that's what's because, happening. But because I was already pushing myself beyond what everyone else in my class was, and that's not like a brag, that is a fucking fact, my teachers were like, you're good enough. And I said, actually, I pay $80,000 to be better. So either you push me or I will push myself because no one is going to push me like me and when I have gotten full-time jobs, I have outworked my company. I have worked myself out of a job. So has it been stigmatized or have I just not paid attention because I'm too busy That's true, to too. doing the things I want to do? Like I can listen to you tell me why I shouldn't or I can just take that time and be like, that's cute and do it. I already did it. I already did it. And I have to tell that to my developer all the time. I'm like, this bullshit, you're going back and forth with me. I'm just going to fucking do it. Right. And then he's like, that's a good point. Okay. (laughs) But I don't, I don't let it stop me. I don't let, um, I don't know. No, I'll figure it out. And if now is not the right moment, I'm going to do something else. And the idea will come. So... That it goes back to joy. It goes back to joy. I can choose to listen to the hater. I can choose to listen to the person that's like, oh, if it, you didn't do it, somebody else would have. And it's like, okay, but I did and you didn't. So suck a dick. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can choose to listen to that or I can put on my Todrick Hall Pandora station, or my RuPaul music and sissy that walk while I make something that most people wouldn't even have imagined. And that's how I make it. Like, I just don't listen. I think there's value in that. I really wish more women chose their own voice and their own requests over the imagined or real obligations from others. Because they're not living your life. You are living your life. And before they were even in your life, you had your life. And this is true with parents, grandparents, teachers, best friends. It doesn't matter. It's your life. And that's why I think Moana is such a perfect pop culture piece for this, because you're right. Like in order for her to live how she wants to live and explore and experiment with what she wants to do, she has to exceed the expectations of everyone 
And she has to say, listen, I understand that this is what you expect of me and the role you set for me, but I also want to do more than this. And at the end, spoilers for Moana, she ultimately finds a way to fulfill her duty and be her badass self simultaneously. And let me double down on this metaphor. Teka and Tafiti are the yes. same yes. person. Yes. They're the same that's a that's a branding thing right there. That goes back to what we were talking about about branding. Taka and Tafiti are different brands of the same truth. If you forego your own heart's calling, you will turn bitter, you will turn angry, you will, you absolutely will. And if you copy someone else's brand and put it on your body and put it on your person, the exact same thing will happen. Because all these cookie cutter brands, all these cookie cutter emails, all these, everybody's got the same thing with the rose gold and the body blur. Like, that is making you well, here's the truth about that. instead of graffiti, right? Well, here's the truth about that. Actually, I think that's more the kakamore, but we could talk about, like, because <laughs> <laughs> mediocrity, the masses, they are inevitable. Um, trends are inevitable. The thing about them is try them, try aspects of them, but only to integrate into who you actually are. They are not cosplay moments to hit press and out comes a vending machine solution. That's not the answer. So with the rose gold and the white and the perfectly posed woman in her blazer with the latte, like, great that's great if that makes you feel comfortable showing up but where is the you in there don't cosplay in your own brand now that is another tote bag that's two tote bags i have an entire store of tote bags i do not know if you are aware of this but i actually do design them and oh rock them. my god that's amazing <laughs> so now you have two more to add no. to your collection oh that's brilliant god Jenny, I feel like my sister in loudness, muchness, shortness, and art school, like clearly we are sisters from different misters, and even they sound a little similar. So <laughs> shout out to our dads. Uh, I cannot wait to have you back on the show when we, I think we're just going to talk about New Jersey as the pop culture topic, maybe the Sopranos, I don't know, but it has been an absolute pleasure. I got two more questions for you. Give it. First one, you are going on a soul quest and you have to take a companion. Which of your cats are you taking on this quest and why? Oh, that's so mean. I have four. And yeah. I can't... This is a tough question. Podcast. It's actually, you know, what's sad is that it's not tough. And I hate that because <laughs> I, the answer was like, know exactly who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it would be my sweet baby Juniper. Um, she is a cat I found in a construction site who fell asleep in my arms as soon as I went to go pick her up. And she loves to play. So honestly, like her main goal in life is to just sit next to me and keep herself company and I live. And so she watches the Simpsons with me and she sits and she, and I'm like, you want for nothing. You can absolutely hang out with me. Every other cat would demand for me. Yeah. But she would just bring <laughs> the energy and the enthusiasm and keep shit light. I love it. Yep. Next question. What is the best way for our listeners to come into your beautiful, weird world? Pure Fantastico. Uh, it is my website. I'm also developing um, accessible ways to have these conversations with you uh, in the form of audits and consultations if you can't afford a one-on-one -on -one extravaganza. Magical. Magical, magical. So all the links will be in the show notes, everybody. Jenny, I just adore you. Thanks so much for spending your weird afternoon with me today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Everybody else, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for this week.
Well, hey there, listeners. Before we get into your homework this week, I just cannot wait to tell y'all what Jenny did. For the first time in TLTQ history, she actually made a tote bag of her tote bag moment, like a real physical put your shit in it, tote it around tote bag that says professionalism is a patriarchal trap. The link is in the show notes. I saw it and screamed. Isn't that magnificent? And yet, at the same point, having known Jenny for 40 minutes now, isn't that so on brand for her? And isn't it amazing that after only knowing her for less than an hour and indirectly at that, that you can answer that question so easily? Why? I'll tell you why. It's the Jenny vibe, as she called it. It infuses everything she does. And so consistently, you can almost predict what her next wacky but intentional action will be. I've been thinking about her assertion about professionalism quite a lot since we recorded this chat, especially when I send my email correspondence, which is notoriously dripping with exclamation points, all cap shouting, sentence fragments, even the occasional gif. Before I actually click send, I've taken to stopping for just a moment to consider what I would say if I didn't give myself these little literary luxuries, these wild indulgences of grammar. And every single time I ask myself, would it be better? And y'all, it never, ever is. I click with confidence. This week, your homework is to Jenny vibe your emails. But of course, the trick is to substitute your own name and your own essence. It's not putting on a voice. It's about stepping into yours. What the heck do you really want to say? Ditch any remnants of stuffy corporate writing that creep into your dialogue. Chuck some fabulous adjectives in there. Why the hell not? As long as you're still clear and respectful, you aren't hurting anyone or slowing down any processes. So say it plain. Feeling sassy, giddy, hopeful? Let it rip into your outbox. You'll still get across the details that mandate the email, but this way, there's also a high probability you'll brighten the recipient's day in the process. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who help make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio. And my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best. And remember, you're too legitimate to quit.